Hey folks, CA Rachana Ranade here and I welcome you all to another episode of Finance Simplified, the podcast which is about the Nestle. So, let's get started. Wait, we're going to have a complete discussion about this specific stock so that you understand all the details. We are also going to talk about the company history. We are going to talk about the business. We are going to talk about the industry. We are going to talk about the financials, some key ratios. And then we are also going to talk about the stock split announcement. This company is Nestle and the tagline goes like good food, good life. Lovely tagline. Look at the pretty logo. Uh, mummy bird is feeding uh, to her small kids. But good food, good life. Uh, you know which products does this company manufacture? Kit Kat is good food. Maggie is good food. Uh, Munch and Milky Bar is good food. Uh, sauce is good food. Uh, everyone has to answer these questions for themselves. Of course, I'm not uh, a content creator which talks more about nutrition and health. I'm not uh, a person who's qualified under that. But I think I have some basic logics and I'm sure everyone does have. You are smart enough to decide whether this is really good food or not. Now let's understand two major points to kickstart with, right? First, we're going to talk about the company history and then we'll talk about their different products and their positioning, how much market share they have. A lot of points we'll discuss, okay? So first of all, if I were to understand when did this company start its relationship with India, it dates back to 1912 when they began trading as the Nestle Anglo-Swiss Condensed Milk Company Exports Limited, wherein we as India, we used to import their products and we used to sell their products in India. But what happened after independence was that government said we want to establish the milk economy in India and that is why they said we want you to set up your production facility here and that is where in 1961 they set up their first factory in Moga in Punjab. That was 1961 but today if I am talking about 2022 the holding company's revenue basically uh, Nestle India Limited is a subsidiary of Nestle SA. Nestle SA is the holding and Nestle SA holds 62% stake in Nestle India. Okay, till here. Now, Nestle SA, which is a Switzerland-based company, they are like the world's largest food company and their revenue is how much? It's $93 billion in global sales in calendar year 2022. And if I were to convert that into Indian rupees, that goes beyond 7.5 lakh rupees. So you can imagine that a company, 7.5 lakh crore rupees. Did I say only lakhs? Fantastic. 7.5 lakh crore rupees. Okay. Now, you can imagine a company selling Maggie, Nescafe, KitKat. They are making 7.5 lakh crore rupees revenue. So how much would they be selling for each of these categories? Now if I were to say Nescafe, they are selling 12 billion cups in a year. Okay, 12 billion cups is like 1200 crores of cups. If I'm talking about Maggie, it sells 5 billion cakes of Maggie. 5 billion is like 500 crores Maggie cakes. If I'm talking about KitKat, 3,300 million fingers, that's 330 crore fingers of KitKat and 2,200 million units of munch, that's like 220 crore munch. This is crazy. It's unbelievable numbers, right? But if I were to talk about how much is their market share or what is their position, barring ketchup and sauces category, wherein they have number two as a position, barring this, all these products, be it Cerelac, Lactogen Nan, Everyday, uh, then if beat Maggie or, uh, you know, Instant Pasta or Kit Kat, Mil uh, Milky Bar, Munch, Nescafe, everywhere they have number one as the position. And if I'm talking about infant cereal category, where I'm talking about Cerelac, their market share is 96.5%. 
All these are crazy numbers. Uh, I've taken this data from their analyst meet, which was held in August 2019. Now, if you have understood all these points, let's go a little bit deeper into the company business. And we will have to understand that, okay, till now we have talked about all these brands individually. Is there any way that the company is segmenting all their products? The answer is yes. And there are four major segments which the company has divided their products into. And which are they? They are these four. Number one, it's about milk products and nutrition. The second one is prepared dishes and cooking aids. The uh, number three is confectionery and number four is powdered and liquid beverages. Now what we are going to do, we are going to understand all these products one by one in category wise. But before we move on to the category wise data, I would also want to add one more point. How much does each category contribute to? So basically milk products and nutrition contributes to 40.5% of the total revenue. Prepared dishes and cooking aids contributes to 31.6% of the total revenue and confectionery and powdered and liquid, liquid, uh, liquid beverages contribute to 16.8% and 11.1% respectively. Now, starting with the first category, which is milk products and nutrition, these are the different products which are sold under the main, I mean, which are sold by Nestle, right? Now, you might be wondering that if you remember, I told you that these products, especially Cerelac, right, that commands 96% market share. Now, what could be the reason? Number one possibility is that, okay, they have a monopoly, but I think one of the main reasons is the IMS Act, which is the Infant Milk Substitutes Act, which was amended in 2003. And it was mentioned that if I mean, any company which is manufacturing and selling baby milk formula and cereals, they are not allowed to advertise for their products. They can't do it directly or even indirectly. So something like, uh, you know, all these brands with music uh, labels or with packaged drinking water, nothing of that sort. That is called a surrogate advertising. That is also not allowed. No direct advertising, no indirect advertising for baby milk formula and cereals. Now you'll be like, what, Rachna? I remember seeing this ad. But this ad dates back to 1990s. At that time, the laws were not that stringent. And these ads also came up with uh, a disclaimer that, you know, mother's milk is of the topmost priority. But now they said, nothing doing. You are not allowed to advertise for these products only. Now you can imagine that this product has already been, I mean, this, the mind space has already been occupied by their products. Now, no other competitor can come in and fit in that space in the consumer's mind. Plus, mothers would not want to experiment uh, you know, different uh, different categories of baby foods for their infants. So again, that is the reason why maybe they are commanding this strong market share. And you might be like, baby food industry, is that that big? So if, again, if I were to put it into numbers, in 2023, Indian baby food market amounted to 1,048 million US dollars. That is growing at a CAGR of 5.98%. And just in case if I were to convert these dollars into rupees, it tantamounts to a market size of 8,600 crore rupees, right? Now, moving to the second category of prepared dishes and cooking aids. These are the products. I'm sure everyone might have tasted this at least once in your lifetime. And if you go out for a picnic in some hilly areas, this becomes a staple food, right? Now, uh, as per Nielsen report, in 2022, Maggie maintained the market leadership and they saw the highest ever distribution. So I'm sure, I mean, no need to talk more about Maggie, right? Everyone knows about it. So moving on immediately with confectionery, again, all these brands speak for themselves. Even if I'm talking about the liquid and powdered beverages category, they also command a very strong market position, very strong brand recognition. So with all these four categories, now in the next section of the video, we'll focus a little bit more about the industry and their branding strategy. Now let's move back from segment specific to entire food and beverage industry. Now, if I were to tell you the overall market size of this food and beverage industry, which includes packaged food, loose food, branded, unbranded, everything, the overall market share is 800 
overall market size is 800 billion dollars okay now out of this 800 billion dollars if i'm talking only about packaged food and beverage that is only 100 billion dollars baki 700 is about loose food and beverages category now out of this 100 also the branded package category is only 40 billion dollars and obviously balanced 60 uh, balanced 60 billion dollars will be like unbranded package so you can imagine where does nestle fit into nestle fits into that 40 billion dollar category and what is the total size of the entire industry that is eight uh, th that was how much that was 800 billion dollars so you can imagine companies fitting into the 40 billion dollar whole industry is 800 billion dollars so that's like 1 is to 20 ratio did i say this no in fact the company in their analyst meet mentioned that if you can see the last line 1 is to 20 is the play that we have got and i hope you have understood what is that 1 is to 20 that was about the 40 billion to 800 billion ratio now that you have understood about the industry overall size and where the company is placed let's also go a little bit into their branding strategy also now when i was doing the analysis of this company i actually was in two minds so if i take the example of tata Tata will select Tata Steel, Tata Salt, Tata Motors, Tata Technologies. That is called as a family branding, where Tatas will be present everywhere. But a second category of branding is called like a product-based branding, where the product name becomes more powerful than the brand name. So there might be many people who are watching this video right now and they might not be sure that, oh, Polo is also by Nestle and uh, Nescafe is also by Nestle and Cerelac is also by Nestle many people might not know that now why do companies do this so if the company wants to sell different category of products to different target groups then it becomes easier for them to price their products so just to give you a simple example i'll not take an example of nestle here i want to take an example of hul i'm sure if it comes uh, if it's about life boy as a soap life boy will be like consumed by generally economy category of people but when it comes to you know fancy soaps like dove these will be like premium brands, right? So then they can price it higher. So finally, it's a soap. But for Life Boy, Am Janta, they can price it lower so that they can capture the market share. If they want to go into the Dove premium category, then they can charge it higher. And then again, finally, the benefit is of the company. They can charge more revenue, even if it's ultimately a soap. Okay, so this can be to target variety of customers. And second point is that just in case if one product gets a negative publicity, then it does not impact other products. So I'll give you a simple example of Maggi only. If you remember back in 2015, some lead content was found in Maggi and that is where Maggi revenue dropped drastically. In 2014, so by the way, Maggi fits into the prepared dish and cooking aids category. 2014, their, the revenue in this category was 29,612.7 million rupees, but that revenue almost halved in 2015 and that came down to 13,141 million. Other three categories, be it milk products and nutrition, beverages, chocolate and confectionery. Look at these figures, the revenue has not even changed as much. So that is the reason. So you can imagine had this been Nestle uh, noodles, Nestle uh, coffee, Nestle chocolate, other products might have gotten hampered but because people could not recognize majorly that this is the same company that might be the reason why their sales did not get hampered so today i just thought of shifting a little bit from finance to even branding strategies and now let's get started with the fundamental analysis of this company basically the financial analysis is what i should say ROC 138%, ROE 108%. We'll talk about the reasons for that, of course. Industry P is at 56.9, but the stock P is at 81. So basically the stock 
price is commanding a premium over the industry P. But are the financials good enough for that? Let's directly jump into the profit and loss at a yearly, uh, from a yearly perspective, not from a quarterly perspective. So if you see from 2011 till date, continuously their sales numbers have been increasing, barring 2015. Why is there such a big dent in 2014? Remember, I talked about Maggie Kand in 2015 and that was the reason why their sales dropped in 2015. Even in 2016, it did not go to the 2014 level. So it took two years after which from 9,855 crores, their revenue crossed that number to 10,010 crores in 2017. Achha, one more thing I hope you have observed that these are December figures, not March figures. So this company follows a calendar year and not a financial year. Even if you check at the operating profit, same thing, it has been growing continuously barring that dent in 2015. Same case with PBT that is profit before tax it has been continuously increasing but have a look at the last one or two years from 14,000 crores in December 21 to 16,000 crores in December 22 and TTM that is trailing 12 months is already at 18,783 crores same is the case with profit from 2800 crores to 3200 to 4000 uh, uh, you know crores so uh, good numbers in the last one or two years is that shown in the compounded sales growth data as well if you look at this 10 years CAGR is 7%, but let's not talk about 10 year data because then the Maggie impact will come there. So we'll talk about five years data only. Five years compounded sales growth is at 11%, but TTM growth is at 15%. Five years compounded profit growth is at 14%, but TTM growth is at 25%. And stock price CAGR is 19% for five years. That is still a very handsome return. Of course, past returns are not a guarantee of future returns, but such a big company is also having a stock price CAGR of 19% and one year growth is at 23%. Return on equity, like we discussed, fantastic numbers. The reserves, even though they have been growing continuously, you can see in 2019, the reserves almost halved. So they gave a special dividend and that is the reason why their denominator. So how is ROE calculated? Return on equity and equity is the denominator, right? So equity is equity capital plus reserves. So when their reserves were paid out in the nature of special dividend, that is the reason why the denominator shrunk. And this is one of the reason, I'm not saying the only reason, one of the reason why ROE is an outstanding number, right? The cash flows, cash flows are also increasing very nicely. All uh, ca cash flow from operating activities basically is in positive. Even if you have a cash conversion cycle, have almost negative, it's a good sign because as good as... Uh, it's, it's like no days required for cash to convert back into cash, okay? And even the latest data, which is here, is just four days of cash conversion cycle. Fantastic numbers. If you look at the shareholding pattern, it's more or less similar. Nothing special to be discussed here. And finally, let's get back to where we started as to why this stock is expected to correct by almost 90%. Reason is very simple. The company has announced a stock split in the ratio of 1 is to 10. So right now, the face value of the stock is around 10 rupees and that is going to get into that is going to get down to one rupee so if that be so the market price will also go down in the same proportion basically the stock price will go one tenth so currently the price is at around 24,000 rupees as i shoot the video theoretically it will go down by one tenth and that is the reason why it will go down to around 2400 rupees but what does that mean will the shareholders lose 90 percent of their value no for those who have been watching our channel for a long time, they know that proportionately number of shares will also increase, right? Because one share of 10 face value, if it goes down to one rupee ka face value, then obviously the number of shares will increase proportionately. So a person holding one share of Nestle will then have 10 shares of Nestle. So ultimately the value will remain the same. But then the big question is that when will this happen? The problem is that the record date as I shoot the video has not yet been announced. So how can I communicate that 
to you for that we have a whatsapp channel you can directly go to the whatsapp channel don't forget to press the bell icon as well so that you will get notified when i tell you about the exact record date well if this be so are there any parallel examples that have happened in the past uh, of course aishar motors had recently come up with a stock split uh, and when they had discussed the i mean the ratio for that company was also 1 is to 10 once that happened their trading volume their daily volume basically surged to around 8 times and with better volume with bigger volumes there are chances that there will be better price discovery as more and more people or more and more investors will be able to participate in that specific stock so i hope you enjoyed this detailed analysis of nestle not only from the industry perspective not only from their fundamentals and financial perspective today we also talked about their branding and marketing strategies today we also talked about the stock split case for this stock Thank you for joining us on this episode of Finance Simplified. I hope you enjoyed listening to this podcast and also found some value in it. If you did, don't forget to share it with your friends and relatives. Till then, take care. Jai Hind.